Hi, I'm Randallin. I'm Jennifer. And we're people. Talking about people. Hi, y'all. It's Randy. Today's episode is just Jen, so I wanted to pop in super quick and remind you that People Talking People is a part of the Wonder Barn Podcast Network. Head over to wonderbarn.com and check out all their other amazing shows. Hello, hello. Jen here. Just Jen talking to you great people. Today, my people, we are going to be talking about leadership. I thought it would be fun to go back through a post that I had on LinkedIn quite some time ago where I asked people to just share their top three leadership skills. And there is no right or wrong answer. However, <laughs> today I'm going to talk a little bit about how some of these skills are great leadership skills and how some of them might not be as great for leadership, but potentially in other areas of life. So I think that's important to highlight here. None of these are weaknesses or bad things or blind spots from a leadership perspective, but we have a tendency to think that our normal skills, quote unquote normal, see me doing air quotes here, normal skills in our daily life, or maybe when we've been a subject matter expert in a role, something we're just really good at, they don't always translate really well into leadership. And frankly, even our skills as a manager are not necessarily the same thing as our skills as a leader. There are going to be times where you have your manager hat on and things are due at 3 p.m. Like this project is due at 3, it's due at 3, it's due at 3. There's no other way to say it, it's due at 3. It needs to be done by 3. Where when you're wearing your leadership hat, there might not always be that it's due at 3 and I'm just sort of demanding or letting people know what's going on. It's much more inclusive and collaborative there's engagement, there's a use of deep, open-ended coaching questions in order to get the team to work together, to build morale, to boost people up and to grow your team, right? So it just looks a little bit different, even just from that standpoint of leadership to manager. But I thought it would be fun, again, to talk about leadership skills and really dive into some that I believe are great leadership skills and some that are skills used better for other areas, okay? So on this particular post that I have, and it is on LinkedIn, you could probably go dig it up and find it if you wanted to, uh, but we can even re-engage the conversation and start talking more. And don't hesitate to message me and tell me what your top three are as well. I'd love to hear from everyone individually what they think their top three leadership skills are. So just quickly on a whim, when I was typing them up for myself, I wrote in coach, inclusive, and engaging. Those were kind of my top three. Now, if I had to pick more, I would certainly could think of a lot of other words I'd like to put on there. Transparent. There's just a lot of things that come to mind for me, but these were the three that I chose. For me, coach, uh, not only is that just what I do, right? It's who I am a little bit, but I like the idea with all of our leaders really showing up as coaches, asking those deep and genuine questions. So let me give you a little bit of an example. Employee comes into your office. I have a problem. What do I do? And they're just sort of asking you generically. Now, I think a lot of people will flip into that, what I would call manager mode. And here's the solution. You know, they provide the employee the solution, tell them what to do, move on, day goes on, everything goes, goes on. There's a lot of downside to doing it that way. One, the individual's never going to learn how to do it on their own, right? They're always going to be looking to you to tell them what to do. There's a lot of downsides to that. One, they're not growing, they're not developing, you're potentially not even creating the future leader that will take over your role, you know, et cetera. But it's also a time suck for you. Here you are having to deal with always telling someone what to do. So instead of learning how to either teach them or coach them on how to figure out the solution themselves, 
they're going to be constantly looking to you for the answers. So you're always going to be the one providing the answer and you're always going to be adding more time and more work and more distraction and more disruption, right? Fill in the blank of things that you're going to be having to deal with. So really just kind of utilizing that skill in the normal sort of managerial leader setting of being a coach and asking those open-ended deep questions is hugely beneficial. So, you know, from a challenge standpoint, I would challenge you right now to think about, do I do that now, right? Do I ask those really genuine deep questions? And think about these being not leading questions, but much more open-ended not yes or no questions, again, much more open-ended, and not things like why, right? Why did you do that? Why would you do that? Why did you pick that answer? Why has a very negative kind of connotation to it? So again, example, employee comes in, I have a problem, you know, what should I do? Instead of you just saying, hey, here's the solution, you could just start off with, well, what do you think some potential solutions might be? Now, depending on whether they've thought about it or not will depend on the response. They might say, well, I don't have a clue. Okay, we'll go back to your desk. Why don't you come up with two really good solutions and bring them back to me and we can discuss them. Okay, so you're kind of delegating to them to go do their own work, to think about it a little more, to get a little bit deeper and come back to you. Maybe they have tried to think of solutions and they just truly can't, right? They've, I've spent hours on this. I just can't figure it out. So then maybe your question needs to be a little bit deeper. Uh, And it could be something like, have you talked to Bob? Have you talked to Sally? Did you do research on this? Did you look at what we did last time, right? You're going to have to figure out what question makes the most sense based off of where you're at. Um, But doing your best to ask it in that very specific way that will get them thinking. So does Bob have the information that is needed based off of that last project that was completed, blah, 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 you know, something specific. Now, this is a yes or no question, but we've gotten to the point with the employee that we know there's a really good chance that they're just stuck enough that they need that sort of help in that starting point. So it's just not you giving the solution. It's just you giving them enough of a question to get them started. Because then what they might say is, you know, yeah, I talked to Bob and he said the following. And then it's you have the ability to dig in and probe, right, or ask a deeper question from there. Okay, great. So if you were to implement that solution, what might it look like? You know, that type of thing where you're sort of able to continue to expand. So it's not always going to be bad to ask those yes or no's, but we just want to make sure we get those really sort of deep coaching questions mixed into the conversation as much as we can. And this is where, again, it's that separation between manager and leader. So that's something that you'll probably hear me talking about a lot and something we'll go into more more depth in the future, Um, but just something to kind of be thinking about for now. So back to kind of the coaching skills. Um, Some other ones that really stood out for me that I really enjoyed was someone said problem solver. Now this is very related to what I just mentioned, showing up as a coach instead of solving the problem or giving them the answer, the solution. It's a very tactical response. It's a, it's a response has to do with maybe this particular individual is or was a subject matter expert. So for example, um, they were an accountant for years and years and years, and then they were promoted to the accounting manager. So they like that aspect of, I can do the job. I'm sort of an expert. You know, I, I'm the go-to person. That is definitely a role that is 
possible and healthy for a manager to play. But again, I go back to it's not really going to develop and grow your team. It's not going to engage or empower them to grow or want to do better on their own. They're going to always be falling back on you as the person or the individual or the expert. And again, there's a lot of negative to that. It's not just that the people themselves might have lower morale and not grow into their true potential, but it's exhausting for you as well. I mean, truly, if someone is constantly coming into your office asking, where do I find this file? How do I take this action? What do I do here? What happens when this happens? You are always, quote unquote, putting out fires, right? You're always helping them. You're always telling them what to do instead of them just being able to figure it out on their own. And the more and more and more that's relied upon, the deeper it's ingrained in and the harder it is to get rid of, the harder it is to get rid of. If you've ever worked at a company where you've seen someone who kind of has this behavior and then maybe they retire or they leave or that, you know, they go away, you probably noticed how drastic of a difference it is when that person leaves, retires, go away. So yes, we identify, wow, there were a lot of gaps in the work that Sally was doing. She was super valuable, blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, people start to figure it out. They just what they're doing. Certain scopes of work might fall out. Uh, they create new teams to work on certain projects. It's amazing how suddenly someone we thought we could live without is actually pretty easy to live without if we do some adjustments and we make some adjustments. So walking around with this feeling of, you know, I am this problem solver. I am this expert. I'm this person everyone needs. I am the go-to might boost your ego a little bit right now, but the reality is it's not always necessarily a required thing. You don't have to play that role. Things can get figured out when you're not playing that role. And when you're not playing that role, you're going to have more capacity and time to focus on the things that you need to be focused on. And then also to not only grow and develop your own team, but for them to do it for themselves as well. So really key. Another skill that a lot of people mentioned was empathy, empathy, which is just, I mean, hello world, something that we could all probably use a little bit more of. Now, there are some people right now who are telling me they have almost too much empathy, and I would argue that that could be the case sometimes, but right now I think everyone needs just even a little extra. So too much is probably not enough right now. But just even from a simple dictionary definition standpoint, empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of others. So one thing I like to talk about a lot with my clients is emotional intelligence and the value of empathy within there. So if you don't have empathy, I would challenge you to start to figure out how you can become a little bit more empathetic. So you may not necessarily, again, using this um, dictionary definition, you may not necessarily be able to share the feelings, meaning you don't feel the same way. You can't relate, right? Um, Or maybe you don't understand it. I have that a lot with managers. They'll say, oh my gosh, someone came into my office. They They were crying. They were broken up about something. You know, something's going on in their life. And I'm just sitting there scratching my head going, I cannot believe this person is so upset about this. Like, what is the deal? That happens too, right? It doesn't always mean that we can directly relate, understand, resonate from our own self and our own experiences. But that doesn't mean that we can't sit there with them and sort of tote that line between sympathy and empathy where we're quiet. We listen. 
we focus, you know, we turn in our little active listening receptor and we actually are looking directly at them. Maybe we're even taking notes if we feel like we need to, right? There are certain other cues that could be happening, but at the end of the day, you are 100% fully present, not distracted. You know, phone is off, computer is off. This person's getting your time. There are no distractions around you. And you're just sitting with them and listening and just being that sounding board, being that ear, because that's what they're needing right now. So if you don't feel like you have a skill of being an empathetic person, just think about what they really need, the person who needs the empathy on the other side, and do your best to adjust to that. So you may not be able to listen to the conversation and say, I completely understand where you're coming from. I empathize with you. Well, what can you do in its place? You can sit there and listen to the conversation. And at the end, you can say something that will, depending on the individual, make them feel really good, right? I've heard what you said. Thank you for sharing this information with me. I hope it feels a little better for you to talk about this. I'm always here for you if you need an ear. You know, something along those lines. You don't have to say, I get it. I'm you. I understand your situation and I come from where you're coming from. Because the reality is a lot of us can't relate to each other. We have different life experiences. We have different expectations. We have different emotional ways that we show up in the workplace. So what can you do for that person? Just sit quietly with them and listen and sort of gain that empathy in a roundabout way if you have to. Give them that space. Be that person that they need. So another one that I just really love and in this crazy world that we're in right now, you know, here it is July 2020 for me as I'm recording this. The last four months have been a time where all of us could probably give and receive a lot of empathy. <laughs> we all need it for ourselves and we need to be there providing it for others. So just do your best to figure out how can I put on this sort of um, hat of empathy and play this part for someone who might need it for me. The other one that I wrote down that is really one of my favorites is this concept of transparency. And anyone who has either listened to me talk a lot or has had one-on-one -on -one conversation with me or coached with me knows that I say the words transparency and vulnerability all the time. And this, a good sort of definition for this to me would be think about it from like a communication standpoint, right? You might say, I'm a good communicator. Well, I might challenge you on that. Like, what do you mean by you're a good communicator? Are you a good writer? Do you do good blogs? Do you make good newsletters? Do you do good videos? Do you do good trainings? Is it one-on-one? -on -one? Is it a group setting? Is it public speaking, right? There's a million ways we can get deeper. That's why I always tell people when they're looking for their strengths, it's a lot more specific than what we usually say it is, right? But communication, right? They say, oh, okay, I'm a good communicator. Well, you might be a good communicator, but what's going to be the level that gets you to that great level? How are you going to upgrade yourself a little bit more? Being vulnerable, being transparent. So are you being ridiculously clear in your communication and sharing truly everything you possibly can? I get it. There's some things we can't, right? That makes sense. But are you being as clear as you possibly can? Um, and then are you being a little bit vulnerable too, in the sense that you're sort of opening up and sharing your own emotions and, and what's going on? I have a couple clients that work for uh, a really large company and they told me about their particular CEO opening up and crying. Uh, and this, and just to be fair, to make it sort of 
share a little as much information as I can. The CEO is a male, right? So I think typically we think, oh, crying, and maybe it's a woman because just genetically we happen to be more, more emotional people. And that's not even the case in this situation. It was a man. So opening up, crying a little, and just being really vulnerable and sharing what he was feeling in this time of COVID and everyone having to go back to work, in this time of Black Lives Matter and movements that are happening all around the world. Um, so it's it's just really interesting to think about the value that that can really bring from a leadership standpoint. This story that I'm referencing, um, this manager told me that both himself and all the leaders on his leadership team just, you know, tended to gain even that much more respect for this individual, that he had the ability, the willingness to just open up and be real and be raw with people, especially at a time when, frankly, we're probably all feeling very similar, right? So we're we're all in this boat. We're all in this situation. We're all experiencing what's going on. This is not a, uh, you know, pan- loose pandemic example, right? This is not a pandemic that's going on in the state of Texas. No, this is a worldwide pandemic. This is going on everywhere. This is not just, oh, we have 20 inches of snow and we're all struggling with it right now. Like everyone's buried under the 20 inches of snow. What are we doing about it? So everyone's feeling it differently. Everyone is emotionally reacting differently. Hence the reason these empathy skills are going to be just amazing for all of us so that we can be there for people when they need it the most. But we're all in this boat. We just might have different length of oars, or maybe I've got a life vest and he doesn't. Right? Um, she's got a bottle of water and he's got some food supplies. So we're all kind of rocking with different things in this situation. But being that really open, vulnerable, transparent person and letting people know, hey, here's what's going on for me. Here is how I'm feeling. Here's where I'm, I think we're going to go, you know, painting that picture and being really clear and genuine and honest about it is going to go a really long way for your leadership. Now, I'm not saying you have to sit here and cry. That's not what I mean. I mean, I have people all the time tell me, oh my gosh, Jennifer, I could never do that. No, no, that's not what I mean. <clears throat> Matter of fact, for some of my clients, it just means that ability to even admit that you don't have all the answers, right? That is just as hard. Or that ability to admit or ask for help. You know, some of us are raised in a culture where we can't ask for help. It's not right. We have to go figure it out on our own. Like just culturally, our mom and dad said, you never ask for help. You figure it out on your own. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, you know, there's that too, right? So how, what does being vulnerable and transparent look like for you? Does it mean a certain level of honesty that maybe you're just not currently sharing, but you know would be important and you need to start sharing? Uh, does it mean truly wearing some emotions on your sleeve so that people can relate to you a little bit more and understand where you're coming from. It could be a combination of all those things. You know, and just to be clear, I I think I mentioned this a lot, but when we're talking about leadership here, this doesn't necessarily mean corporate America and you're a manager. Truly, you could be a stay-at-home mom. You could be a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, right? It, It really can show up in many ways. Leadership shows up in every possible way. I mean, I know teenagers who show up as leaders and, you know, they just work at the grocery store begging groceries, right? So it doesn't have to be a corporate America sense. But what's important about this is when we talk about those skills and really demonstrating and showing that leadership value, what are those skills that you really need are going to allow you to show up? So I want to circle back to a couple of the ones that I talked about here thus far. Um, Coaching, showing up as a coach, 
being that person to ask those open-ended deep questions. And you can see the segue as I then talk about empathy and how how much those really relate. You know, maybe if you're just sitting with someone and listening, then there's an opportunity to ask them a deep question at the end to get them to continue to open up a little bit more. And this could be, again, this could be a friendship, right? It doesn't have to be in a corporate America managerial type setting. But showing up as a coach, asking those really open, deep questions, being empathetic and using that skill of active listening where you're fully present, you are fully engaged, and you are there with that individual. You are not letting anything else really be be a distraction for you or distract you. And then I talked a little bit about this concept of being the problem solver, right, and how that can be a little bit of a disadvantage. So what does it mean to shift from problem solving to one that helps others be the one to start to solve the problems. And that's kind of putting that that coach hat on. But problem solver, that's the one I hear from a lot of people where they think it's skill, but in reality, it's the skill of a subject matter expert, not of a leader that's developing and growing the rest of their team. Not to say you can't need or want problem solving skills as a manager. Of course, it's an important thing to have. But are you balancing it, right? Are you using it at the right time? Are you using it to think strategically or are you using it to tell others what to do? You know, really be thinking about how you're using it and how it's showing up. And then, of course, this concept of this transparency and vulnerability, being honest, right? Being honest to a fault. That was another one that came up a lot, being honest to a fault. Um, where, What does that mean for you and how does that show up? So another thing I think is always interesting when we talk about leadership skills, I mean, we could go on for days. I have people saying things like teaching, curious, nurturing, open, supportive, collaborative, adaptive. And then I had one individual just say, because I said in three words, so he made it his into a sentence, we create leaders. And I just love that because as a leader, it should be A's hiring A pluses or B's hiring A's instead of this concept of A's hiring C's, right? We want to hire people who are going to take our job, who are going to be the future leaders, who are going to be those people who are going to set the way and pave the course and be all these great, great future things. So I love that creativity he had of we create leaders, leaders create leaders. I love that. Um, I think it's important when you think about skills is what are the skills that you currently have and are they truly leadership skills that you can lean on? I kind of go back to where I mentioned communication, right? Communication, great. Everyone needs to have um, communication as a skill on some level. What are your communication skills? Is it written? Is it public speaking? You know, what does it look like for you and how is it showing up the best? And then how can you leverage that skill into other areas? And how can you take it to a whole nother level by adding in that vulnerability and that transparency? Just something to really reflect on, maybe spend some time thinking about how that really does look like for you. And then what skills do you need a little bit more of? What skills do you think would really benefit you as a leader that perhaps aren't as polished as they could be. Not that you don't have them, but maybe they're just not as polished as they could be. It could be some of these things that I've already mentioned. It could be others like providing effective feedback, having difficult conversations, right? There's tons of other things that could potentially come into play. 
But when we think about and we sit down and we really resonate with our own leadership, we should be thinking about what are the skills that I have that I'm leveraging? And then what are my blind spots or the ones that I really need to be working on? And identifying those and getting support working through them, whether it's reading a book, working with a coach, having an accountability partner, doing some sort of training, going back to school, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is, is really going to be critical for that continued growth. Because if you can't sit with those blind spots and really understand what they are and how they show up, then you're not going to be able to really, you know, move forward. I have clients tell me all the time, I want to be a better leader. And I say, okay, why are, why are you here for leadership coaching? Because I want to be a better leader. Well, what does that even mean? I mean, really, what does that mean? It is so hard for me to dissect that just when I hear it as a sentence. So as a coach, I have to come in with a thousand more questions that really get them thinking and they have to go off and do some homework on their own to figure out why it is that they want to be a better leader. So what are those things that they're working towards? What does their goal 10 years from now actually look like? And is there a skill that they're missing or something that they need in order to get to that point? And that's going to be the thing that crafts that term better leader, right? Um, Is it that they already know what their blind spots are? Or maybe they just don't even know what the skills they even have are. They can't even just pinpoint and identify what the skills that they have are. So it's one thing to say you want to be a better leader, but are you good now? What are the skills you have now? Maybe they don't even know, right? That happens a lot as well. Um, Who are those people that you emulate? Like when you think about what a good leader looks like, it's kind of like saying, I want to be successful. Well, what does success mean, right? It's the same thing with leadership. I want to be a leader. Well, what does leadership mean? Who are the people that you really value and want to emulate? Who are the people you trust? Who are the great leaders that you maybe reported to in the past or that you've seen in the world, celebrity type leaders? You know, who are these people that you want to be? Who are the figures in history that you would love to also be yourself? You know, these types of things. So what does good leadership look like? How would you emulate it? And why would that be important to you? That's kind of the big piece, the why, right? How does it line up to those goals, that 10-year goal? And what is it? What's in it for you? (laughs) What's the what's in it for you? What's the why? Why do you want to be there in 10 years? You know, and I think that at the end of the day, If you can sit down and say, in 10 years, I want to be a C-suite executive, for example, whatever. Great. That's a goal you can work towards. That's something you can sit down and you can say, what are the steps that I need to do to get there? Or what are the skills that I need to build in order to get there? That's something sort of tangible that you can can work towards. But if you say, in 10 years, I want to be happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise, well, that's also great. But why are you wanting to focus on leadership? Do we know that that's the right thing to be focusing on? You know, maybe the right thing to be focusing on is getting out of debt, becoming financially sound, uh, running a half marathon. You know, I don't know, fill in the blank. But my point being, is the thing, the thing that you want to be focused on in 10 years, what you are actually focused on right now? So even if you're sitting here pondering, I want to be a better leader um, I want to know what great leadership skills are. I think these are great conversations to be thinking about, but you also need to be testing yourself a little bit and asking yourself why and getting to that next deep level as to what is the reason I'm even considering pursuing some of these things that I'm thinking about. So when we talk about skills for leadership, we could go on for days, literally, as you can tell. There's good ones. There's not so good ones. 
Um, let's take this conversation to LinkedIn. Please send me a message. I would love to hear from you. What are those skills that you think you have that really do make you stand out as a leader? And try to narrow yourself to pick two or three, you know, like that'll be the big challenge. You can only choose a couple. Send me just a couple and tell me what it is. And then conversely, what are the skills that you think are not so great to have as a leader? Maybe a blind spot. And what's the best way to answer it is if you think it's something where other people would say, this is a skill, but you're like, nope, it's not a skill. You know, I want to hear those from you too. So send me those messages um, or go into um, some of the past conversations and just make some comments specifically on those as well and just keep adding to the conversation. You'll see those are out there. Um, I want to make sure that we're continuing to keep this conversation around skills alive because it's a really good starting point and a jump off and a springboard for I want to be a better leader I want to be a better person, right? People, this is people talk. This is people talking to people. Like we're just being real here. We're all leaders in some way to someone somehow, even if it's to the dog, right? It doesn't matter. We're all leaders to someone. Someone is looking up to us in some capacity. So we just need to make sure we're showing up not only in a way that feels genuine and authentic and good to us, but in a way that's going to truly benefit all of those around us. All right, go find me on LinkedIn. Please share your skills, both positive and negative. Look forward to keeping this conversation going. And until next time, bye people. Hi guys, thanks for listening. Randy again. We are super excited that you have joined us for episode three of People Talking People. And we just wanted to quickly remind you to head over to wanderbarn.com slash people talking people to learn all about our show and the other shows on the podcast network that we know you'll love. We'll see you soon.